Welcome back to the MTR Network Movie Trailer Reviews. This is Ro, and I'm coming to you with our audio review of Infinity Pool by Brandon Cronenberg. And just to start things off, I want to let you know we have a guest critic with us today. It's one of my favorite horror people who I have only a parasocial relationship with, so y'all gonna bear with me. It's Richard Newby. Uh, he is a critic who is rather prolific in the best of ways when it comes to horror. And if you don't follow him on Twitter at River Richard Newby, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with you, and you should fix your life. Uh, Richard, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Ro, for having me. Uh, just, you know, we have very few rules at the MTR Network. We like people to feel free to speak how they are and what their points are. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about this is, one, none of the uh, other MTR critics who watch horror have had a chance to see this, and I was dying. I was in a Sundance silo by myself, and I was losing my mind. Um, but two, <laughs> <laughs> I also read a lot of the work that you write for like Fangora and The Hollywood Reporter and Vulture. And I saw you pop up something on Twitter where Vulture put in the article saying that this was the, you know, the, and I, and you were like, oh, such delights we have for you over here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to assume this is not your first experience with Brandon Cronenberg? No, it's not. I've seen his, his previous two movies as well. Are you a fan of Possessor or... Offensive. I am, yeah. I love Possessor. It was in my top 20 uh, that year that it came out. Okay. That makes me feel better about, you know, my likes and dislikes. Synopsis for Infinity Pool that's being given to, you know, the general Googler is guided by a seductive and mysterious woman, a couple on vacation venture outside the resort gowns and find themselves in a culture filled with violence, hedonism, and untold horror. A tragic incident accident soon leaves them facing a zero tolerance policy for a crime. And I'm not going to read anything more than that. I highly suggest that you go into the movie with, if you are planning on seeing this movie, which I highly recommend, but I'm biased in favor of horror in almost all ways. I deliberately only read the teaser synopsis for Infinity Pool. How much about this movie did you know going into it? Um, I watched the first teaser. Uh, that was it. Just because I, I was excited about it coming out. I've been looking forward to it ever since it was announced. But yeah, I didn't do any like in-depth reading or anything like i knew who was in it i watched the teaser once um but i wasn't like you know re-watching it to kind of pick through details just to kind of get a, a sense of it uh and then i was like all right i'm i'm good i know that I'm, I'm i know that i'm gonna see this i know that this looks awesome but yeah i, I wanted to go in being you know as, as surprised as possible uh same I looked at the cast list. So Mia Goth, who's kind of burst on the scene with Pearl and X, two of my favorites from last year. Thank you very much. Um, Alexander Skardgard, who I will always show up for. And you're just going to leave it there as to why. <laughs> <laughs> Cleopatra Cla Coleman, who I am fast becoming a fan of. I did not know this, but this kind, this movie kind of solidified for me why I'm becoming a fan of Cleopatra Coleman. And then a rather eclectic ensemble that kind of reaches around for other people to kind of fill out, and I don't want to say who they are because you, they're character type actors. You may have seen them if you watch more international mm -hmm. horror movies, but you may not know them if you're an American yeah. audience. And I feel like they do a solid job anchoring the rest of this unhinged ensemble for this journey that you're going to go on. Do you generally enjoy um, horror movies set at resorts and or hotels? Oh, I do. I, I love a I love a good travel horror movie. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like there's been a lot more of them recently you know ever since you know the, some of the, the covid restrictions have kind of lifted i feel like we've seen a lot more kind of like tourism and travel 
movies, like not only just in horror, but like in comedy as well. Like I know that White Lotus is very popular right now and Triangle of Sadness uh, right now. So I think there's like a lot of films that are kind of exploring like tourist culture, especially among wealthy people, which is kind of interesting. I also like it for the other way that it gives people this kind of step out of time. And I also agree that a lot of people are doing a lot of rebellion writing of I want to get out of here. (laughs) Yeah. But they're also like the little hind part of their brain goes, but that's a terrible idea. (laughs) All these things can go wrong. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get movies like Infinity Pool and I really enjoy it. I, I understand why people are kind of making the White Lotus reference. Um, one, because it is at the top of the cultural zeitgeist right now, too, because it did get more increasingly ridiculous and crazy and kind of thriller-esque and unhinged in its own way. And and and, and that's always good for slow burning and growing episodes, episodic shows. But for me, I think I was maybe four minutes in to this movie and my first point of reference was like, see, I have a very bad feeling that, that Infinity Pool is going to solidify my belief that I don't need vacation friends. In the same way that Speak No Evil did last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I definitely, that one definitely came up in my mind as well. I like Speak No Evil, one, because the director keeps swearing he's not a horror director. And I really want someone to sit him down <laughs> and have them hold hands and let him just come to Jesus and understand that this is his bag and his ministry. And he should just go with it. <laughs> Thankfully, Brandon doesn't need that, you know, hand-holding. He understands it. But yeah, there's just something about this whole idea of running away from reality and running away from your problems. And I feel like Brandon is more interested in, you know, okay, well, you've done that. Now what? Who are you? Who are you here? Mm. And he gives you this kind of disjointed step into this weird dream logic in this movie that's antithesis to what he was doing in Possessor because that was very sci-fi and hard. You knew the why. It was more about the hows and the whys and the what. This feels more Mm -hmm. to me about, you know, not so much how as in, well, now that I know this thing exists and that this is a way of living, who am I in this setting? Yeah. So, you know, your overall thoughts for the movie, feel free, you know, thematically, what'd you get? Let's discuss. Yeah, I was really like hooked by, you know, this theme of, you know, watching essentially like this, this copy of yourself be able to take the responsibility of the crimes you commit and like die for it. It's kind of like touching, you know, immortality in some ways, which I think is is, is why Skarsgård's character is so intrigued by it. Um, and, you know, there, there's a little bit of like a, a, a Dorian Gray um, element to it as well. You know, I was thinking with with the masks uh, that they wear, they have these masks that are kind of culturally significant to the, to the island, it seems in some way. Uh, we don't really get much backstory on like why they have these these masks of the resort. You know, Skarsgård, once once he joins this this group of, of people who have, you know, watched these doubles of themselves die over and over again for these pretty ridiculous crimes that they commit in the name of hedonism you know they kind of they adopt these these masks to go on some of their their break-ins and their their crime sprees and i thought that that was kind of an interesting way of showcasing their sins in a physical way you know they don't bear any responsibility you know of what they do themselves you know every everything is kind of placed upon these doubles that are created and yet the idea of the mask kind of representing you know the, the the evil that they're doing i found really fascinating and especially scarsgard's character his you know is, is is horned and it looks kind of like uh like raw flesh 
you know, you can easily look at, you know, the horned mast as being demonic or a symbol of a devil, but it also, you know, it looks like a cow, um, you know, and as we get further into the movie, like there is a, a sacrificial aspect, uh, you know, to, to that character. So I thought that was really interesting uh, as well. So I, I did a thing that Sundance probably doesn't like is I let the movie get all the way in, start the credits, and then I went back so I could watch it again. Hmm. Um, because they tell you you have single watch, but you have five hour windows. Oh. And I was like, if I don't let this window close, it's not going to know you expired. <laughs> <laughs> let me roll this beautiful video footage again. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with where you kind of sat with like the masks because it's in the trailer so people can see some of the places like the glossy mask that Mia Goth's character hmm. put on plus the twisted horned one that Alexander Skardgar's character put on. And he's got the most pedantic name of Ben, which makes it even more I mean, uh, Gabe, Gabe, which makes it even more perfect in this sense. Or James. I'm changing people's names. Excuse me. It's too early. I just had my <laughs> I think coffee. it's, I, I want to say, it's, it's James. Yeah, it's a very, like, generic name. Yes. See, uh, it's not my fault. Yeah. It is generic. <laughs> <laughs> but the second time I was watching this through and I was taking notes, because I like to do one for me, one for y'all. And I'm not going to lie, if it's a horror movie, the first one's for me. I'm not, I'm not there to work. <laughs> I'm just there to watch the movie. Um, hence my immense frustration with um, this idea of putting me not only on a clock, but saying, you can only watch this once. I'm like, <laughs> watch me learn some tech skills. Um, <laughs> 47 minutes into this movie, if this couple had been both black, this movie's over. Yeah, um, for sure. Because, like, you know, we're playing around. It's, it's one, it's, it's, it's the compound resort living idea. And... You know, from the trailer, you know that he's gone there. He's looking for inspiration. It's been six years since his first book. His wife throws the most glorious shade. <laughs> well, how do you survive? Oh, he married. And there's this under front pinning frustration and growing sense of disdain and disconnection between them as a couple. And in one sense, you're like, oh, well, maybe this is also a reconnect. We're trying to, you know, get our vibe and our groove back. And then you start to realize mm. he's not interested in connecting yeah. with his wife at all on any level. No. And then they meet this couple that seems to be having their their the the greatest of vacations and their <laughs> their and their return resort. Like the, this is their annual thing, and they, like it may be fun to meet someone who seems to know the ropes and can show you the ins and outs and have a good vacation. So you're not one of those people who comes home from having visited an uh, an, an exotic, please hear the quotation marks, a locale for your <laughs> resort, and never having actually visited the place where you were because you don't really leave the resort. Yeah. So there's that kind of enticement that I feel like exists for a lot of people. But when they get in trouble, when they have an accident, after they do a series of things that, number one, y'all not gonna do as soon as you get to the gate you have to drive through and you get to see right. what the world you're leaving is versus the world you're <laughs> right. entering. That's number one. I've been like, no, y'all had to let me out here. I can walk back um, to my hotel room. I got the key card. <laughs> I'll, I'll see you at the pool tomorrow. That's number one. Uh, so I was really kind of... I love how uh, Cleopatra Coleman played M, his wife. She was like, yeah. we, we're going to do what? We're going to do where? And so the way they play out those moments and they give you this feeling. But as they're coming back is when you start to realize that there's this harsher edge. And it's not just about this mellow, you know, freeing, all-encompassing experience. They play around with gender roles at the beach. They play around with truth, honesty, mm. um, and lies. 
you know, the big kind and the yeah. silent kind. And then they have this thing where it feels like a setup and you almost feel that validated the next morning when the police roll up on these people. You're like, see, I told you to set you up. <laughs> set you, you know? And then that's when you run into the, it's not so much a twist, it's not so much a turn because you go into this movie and so many people have talked about it. This country has a zero to- a true zero tolerance policy. But like all zero tolerance mm. policies, there's this idea that there are loopholes and there are deals that have been made in front and behind the scenes. And there's always some way for somebody who can afford it to get out of what happens to them. And yeah. if you've ever traveled, and I have, there's more than one reason why people don't like it when Americans come to their country. <laughs> um, because the, our country itself makes deals with places, especially after the whole like 80s, 90s situations where kids going abroad and end up getting cane for breaking the law instead of having to do hard time yeah. in their countries. And then, you know, we have whole series about jail smuggling abroad and trafficking abroad and it mm. goes on to some white girl who done accepted a pack <laughs> 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 and it's surprised when she gets stopped and they're saying jail for you but brandon said he was briefly the, the whole concept was inspired by a visit when he had been much younger that felt surreal and menacing where he'd gone to a compound resort and he kept referring back to that and then he just kept mm. extrapolating from there on the what ifs so when you find out that he gets himself in the kind of trouble to where it's a death sentence and then instead of like this movie taking the turn of a you know smuggling abroad criminal you know whatever island edition they're like oh so we're gonna need you to sign this saying that you were willing to pay to create a clone of you so the cone can suffer the uh the consequences of your death and i was like word how did you feel when they played out that scene there and you realized the loop what the loophole was it was disturbing how quickly james signed that paper you know like he's he's all he's all tears and he's you know very much concerned about his fate and yet like when they when the detective gives him the paper he very quickly you know signs it with very few questions you know he's he's a little bit concerned and like wondering you know what does this mean but like not to the point where i would be you know i would have so many concerns and questions and i mean he doesn't even like read through the contract he's just signing it you know it's just anything to to get out of this yeah um which i feel like that kind of speaks to how people with access to money kind of react you know when when they're in trouble you know it's not about how it affects someone else or the cost of it it's just about you know their their own kind of escape plan i also thought it was uh it felt like a commentary to me that as soon as the warden said your wife has already confirmed these facts for me and he's like oh and i'm and i'm i'm a, I'm a terms and conditions when he realizes there's no lying you know like he can't th- try to throw it on the other dude and make himself an innocent bystander they are they aren't they aren't even told on him um like she's like right. like she's not his ride or die she's not here to go with him to the end of the line she's like i'm going home i'm gonna live i don't know what you're doing today <laughs> but i'm going to make it out of this and i i was fascinated by that but i was also fascinated i'm a terms and conditions girl too i don't know at first if it's because my mom always had like there's always a trick when you get in trouble if you didn't ask enough questions like go to your yeah. room it's very unended i always ask for how long because <laughs> i wanted to know when i was free <laughs> so <laughs> So I also had a problem when he was just like, oh, after, as soon as he got the co-sign on his wife, he signed the paper. And I was like, because you know it's not your money. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and and that stuck with me. I was like, this isn't, this, this isn't your access. So when yeah. you get through that and he survives and he also didn't ask like, so what y'all do with my DNA when you're done? Is it mine again? Right. He didn't ask what happens if this 
work doesn't work? Do I have to like, do we keep going until you get one that the family finds acceptable? How does this, nothing. He asked none of that. And I thought that was a very fascinating separation from um, Possessor because that was all about the, the what and the function yeah. and digging in. And mm. here it kind of felt more like, you know, like Disney reality. <laughs> yeah. A little magical, a lot yeah. dreamy. <laughs> yeah, there is there is like a an element of like mysticism or like, you know, magic to it where I feel like Possessor is very much concerned in like the science of it. And then here we like literally have a guy who, you know, said that he's been trying to figure out their cloning methods for, you know, over a decade. And he says that we think about it too scientifically that's why we can't figure it out. We think about it too literally. Right. Um, and so there is, you know, some kind of, yeah, you're, you're right. Some kind of like a, a, a Disney, you know, a, a attraction to it of going into this, you know, blood like fluid and just like creating a, another self. And this, you know, the, the, the process in which he goes through, like the flashing lights and the whole kind of like dream world, almost like Epcot ride kind of a thing. And this tour of, of the mind you know, scenario that happens. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. You know, once again, resort living. But look, we don't lie, we've turned Disney into a, like a true destination. And like, but there's this hype, to, yeah. So when you get to this moment and then you get out of that moment, and I know for some people, this is the point where they felt like this movie didn't really um, dig. And I feel like, well, I don't know what you're watching. You missed the point, go back to it again. I did, you're fine. Yeah. Like, I'm not the kind of person who tells you you need to go see Avatar 2 until you really get it. It's pretty, it's fabulous. It's got <laughs> a basic story you're here for the tech don't lie but movies like infinity and trust me these are equal sides of my brain so but movies like infinity pool i feel like some of the disconnect and the disjointed it doesn't equal shallow it feel it equals cold he comes out of this process and goes home you actually get a point where m looks at him as what is wrong with you yeah yeah but, and there's that great line that she has about like his eyes being wrong. Yeah. You know, like something in him has changed. Uh, and that's why, like, you know, back to, to your, your previous point, like I don't understand how I saw people coming out of Sunday and saying it's 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 all style and no substance. And I saw this, I'm like, what are you talking about? There's so much substance here. There's so much to unpack, you know, with, with everything that's going on. Every every scene and interaction is loaded with some, you know, subtext. And just like the idea of James losing his humanity through this process as if as if the cloning process is taking away a part of him and we're kind of we're we're watching what's left. Yeah. Uh, I, and I think that that's interesting. I don't know how you didn't come away from this thinking that you had watched a movie about the true killing of the self. You know, and raising yeah. the question of where does your soul sit? And I really do think uh, Brandon is a little obsessed in ways that, you know, make me have to ask questions. I don't appreciate about the destruction of the soul. I was like, I don't I don't want to I don't want to be an inspector today. I just wanted to watch some, you know, hyper fetishizing and sexualization and watch Mia Goth be completely unhinged once again. And now you got me over here sitting, <laughs> uh, you know, doing a self-examination on who do I think I would be if I had an actual do not pass go. Give me your two hundred dollars and go home. Like, do I have a perpetual get out of jail free card. What, mm. would, what would I be? Who would I be? How would I act? And who would I look to to guide me through this process if I did find myself in such circumstances? And I don't know how you go into the second and third act of this movie where you don't have that. But I also think it might be because if you're, as a black person watching this, when they got back to the hotel and his wife, M immediately pulls out the <laughs> suitcases. She's throwing luggage in the bag. She's putting everything together. She's like, you do this. I got that we are 
out. Let's bounce. We'll worry about everything yeah. as we get home. And then this man, I love you, Alexander Skarsgård. You are a fantastic what? actor, and you play dumb white man better than almost anybody I've seen. If the circumstances are fucked up, this fool gonna look you in the face and go, what? what I do? And he does it so brilliantly. <laughs> so when you realize yeah. the reason why they can't leave is 100% once again his damn fault. And it also comes down to the concept and idea of how are you prepared to vacation? Could you pack your bags in a minute and go? Because I don't know a single black person who can. If we live out of a suitcase, it does not look like other people. Right. But And women, the way we are is completely different from any man I've traveled with. I swear to God, I just take over the luggage because I need to be stress-free. <laughs> and so you get that real-world contemporary relationship angst and you see the further disintegration you also see what he thinks her value is to him what her job and her role is yeah and then when he leaves their hotel room and you're like oh this is gonna go terribly he has never once put their need or her perspective first and there's a scene in the lobby of the hotel just the the way it's shot as he has them him walking down this hallway towards the front desk there's a clarity of shot, there's a very preciseness of how they use white and dark space. That's com mm. the complete antithesis of how he was willing to blur you out and possess her. And I found that to be fascinating, especially when you tie it in with what Tim Hecker is doing with the sound and the rest of the sound production yeah. theme and the music. And that's why I said, 47 minutes in, if this couple is both black, this movie is over. It's rolling the credits like we're in the middle of the Michael Moore movie Vice. It's like, as soon as like the Cheney and he says no, the job, this movie's done because unless you then follow the journey, and I think this is what's throwing people off because the typical fashion of how you would do this would be they escape these environs and the rest of the movie is about him processing this. And he's not processing mm. it in the silo. He now has to now process it in what people would quote consider the real world. And I think for some people watching this movie, they didn't clock into the fact that this is now the, you know, that it's all about the disconnect. It's all about the, the, the impracticalness. It's all about the false, fake, world that he's living in yeah and if you miss that this is just a body horror movie for you this is just a humiliation kink horror movie for you um yeah some even more of the themes about privilege and entitlement they'll go by you because you're not watching the dynamic that's happening mia goth looks great and she seems crazy but you miss the importance of what she's doing to him and I do feel that now it's time to talk about uh, Mia Goth's role in this because they, they, you know, they cast her as a seductive and mysterious woman. Do you really think that she's the ringleader in this, in this whole little group he gets introduced to? I don't know. I, there is like this kind of like mother quality that gets revealed, you know, that that, that makes me think that she is like the the dominant one in the in the group. You know, and, and the rest of them are, are somewhat submissive. And then, you know, without getting too far into the ending, you know, it seems like her life, you know, outside of this vacation island is very, it's very different. You know, she seems more submissive at the end. I don't necessarily think that she's the one who kind of like discovered the kind of, I guess, hedonistic freedom that comes from, you know, what they do in, the, in this cloning process. But I definitely think that she's the one who pushes it the furthest. Yeah, I think there's 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 something I think about her role uh, as being uh, a, a housewife, you know, that, that that allows her, yeah, to kind of just like let go of all of that here in, in the worst ways possible. And also just like, you know, with this whole this whole idea of like false environment and like this idea of her being a, a fail actress, 
you know, she kind of says when she first introduces, like she does commercials, she says where, you know, her job is to, you know, so much she absolutely cannot live without, you know, this, this tool or object, uh, you know, and we see that with her kind of like using a, a basic knife and being unable to, to cut bread. Like there is, I think this, this idea of creating this false reality that she's really good at. And I think that she fits into this, this island resort here because she's, she's equally false, false. And I think that she's kind of a reflection of that, of that environment. Um, and even like the way that her, her voice changes and like her body language changes throughout the film, as we like get to know her more, I think is really interesting. You know, we, we kind of see the veil slip, I think, a little bit from the, the pretenses that she puts on. Or her first. mask slip, maybe? Yeah, all, yeah. You know, circle back to your original premise <laughs> if you get it. Because, you know, I take notes, I'm listening. I also feel like this is her husband's gift to her. This is a deal they've made. Mm. And she wants to break him to prove she's not broken, that she's made the right decisions. Because like you say, she's very, it's clear she's not the moneymaker. She's not the dominant partner outside of the setting. Yeah. And so I think on one level, she identifies with him, you know, they married money. It's not their money. Um, they live on, yeah. they live on sufferance. And I yeah. think, I think it makes her performance less unhinged and more a form of freedom but it's it i'm not gonna lie to me it felt like a masculine perspective on what a free and unfettered woman able to move without consequences would look like now i also think that's a reflection mm -hmm. that is valid because he is a white man and he's looking at this and the tropes and the stereotypes that he brings to it are informed by the people in you know who have anchors in his reality and um you know he's probably white his mom's you know i haven't heard about his mom not being white lately and you know <laughs> <laughs> So when you draw on, you know, what, what does it look like when you're unshackled? You know, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you do? You go through this experience and if you really are losing, truly losing a part of yourself, the question becomes, what did, what did Gabby lose? And how much more has she continued to lose now that they've bought into this idea of hedonism? And I also think it has to do with the conceit of what civilized is and that this country is mm. brutal and this country is savage and they only understand. And she speaks in these yeah. very broad, bigoted tones, to be frank. For sure, and, for sure. And I think that's something that you really have to, you know, comprehend that they're reckoning with. And this is why I said, I think I like this movie, but not necessarily for possibly the reasons he was overtly going for. Yes, it's a, it's a, it's a movie about, you know, being on the tip of the wealthy. It's about entitlement and it's about privilege, but it's also about this idea of if you are riding in someone else's car and they are a hundred percent responsible for picking your direction all day, every day, with the exception of this th month, week period of time where you go away and you've now integrated into this group and you've been indoctrinated into this idea of what freedom means and 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 consequences be damned and it's literal consequences be damned who are you and yeah. and yeah so she's leading him down this path and you realize she's the one who's trying to force him to process through this and come to the same kind of acceptance that she did she's trying to show him the parts of himself that he's lost are good to be gone 
But that opens the question is, does she need to justify what she gave up in order to continue her existence outside of this world? And I think that really plays into what you see as the ending, which obviously we are not going to spoil. I think um, we, we, we've talked spoiler light only in the sense that we kind of gave context to some things that have been seen in the trailer. Um, and we talked hmm. thematically, but I don't feel like we spoiled this movie. So, you know, we haven't talked about anything that happens in the second act. We haven't gone into any of the details of what all this is. We haven't actually gone. And so when you get into this concept of there's this world and they're unraveling and, and again, like we haven't spoiled, we haven't even talked about anything that happens in the moment of reckoning in the third act, which I really think is a valuable, whether you see the uncut version or the R version. And I think people need to understand that they're doing a lot of clickbait right now talking about, oh, the version you didn't see and if it's ever going to be released. And Brandon did every cut himself. He said he was involved in the process of every cut that went through the entire fight with the MPAA. So there's one scene early on, the first time they leave the resort, um, and I'm pretty sure you know the scene I'm talking about, it's Brandon and Alex. Um, yeah. He had to recut that stylistically. So we just got the straight scene. No, no puns. I swear like uncut like <laughs> a promise so he had to use some alternate camera angles to get them to come down off the nc-17 rating and then later he um he made the comment where he said they made some more stylistic cuts because they didn't want to mess with the soundscape or the score so you're getting different angles on things than perhaps that i saw in the sundance cut but you are watching mm. the same movie and i think honestly without some of the d distraction of seeing the body horror moment to completion, so to speak, you're less likely to kind of clock out of what's happening in the kind of Pied Piper-esque, follow me, jump off this cliff journey that is mm. Infinity Pool to me. So I don't feel like you got a lesser quality. If you go see the movie, do see the R version, um, because why would you go to see a movie that's this and not? But you're not missing anything not if you don't get the NC-17 cut at all. And I think that's valuable because I think it also speaks to people who say that this is incoherent or it's disjointed. It's supposed to be. There's supposed to be a persistent disconnect between him and the real world, yeah. between him and um, consequential. A lot of people don't make good choices if there aren't consequences. We all talk about like the carceral system where, oh, the death penalty is not a deterrent. And I'm like, is it supposed to be? Or is it just supposed to be meaning you're not here no more? And I don't, <laughs> I don't know if that's a theme that he intended to put in this movie with the way that he arranged what happens to criminals, but I really felt like it screamed at me a little. Yeah, I, I think so. That that makes it. I feel like it goes back to kind of just like the falseness of the world that the resort is trying to create. And I think like when you think about you know the, the the whole tourism aspect of this idea of like wanting like just a taste of another culture but without really understanding that culture or becoming a a part of it like i think that you get hints of that like in the resort itself like there's the the comment about the chinese restaurant early on in the film which which james kind of like scoffs at you know he's like you know we're not in china how is this an authentic chinese restaurant and then there's this uh scene with um there's a bollywood dance in the background when they're coming back right. um, from their excursion. And most of the dancers are not Indian. Um, I'm pretty sure that the majority of the women dancing were, were white, or at least primarily light-skinned. And then there's another odd moment where the hotel manager is wearing uh, like a Hasidic Jew uh, outfit, and he's talking to people that almost look like character caricatures of jewish people and there's there's something i think there's something to that in just like in creating this false reality where people feel like they are experiencing 
other cultures but i think like the more you look at it the the further you kind of see that it's that it's wrong that it's it's satir- satirical but also just like it's almost vulgar in a way there's a kind of like vulgarism to it and so i think that that just kind of like fits with this whole idea of of these people just like you know coming here and just like spending their wealth to basically like live out their their hedonistic desires without facing you know actual actual consequences I, you know i i feel like that's this that's the kind of culture that the island establishes but i also feel like that's like so much of the culture of kind of our our contemporary society like i think that we take things from other cultures and we you know we 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 borrow them i think without without consequence or without thought for, you know, what they mean in terms of the context of, of, of who they belong to. Yeah. And I, I wholeheartedly agree because I looked at this and I was like, you know, we've been having a lot of conversations lately in the real world, whether we want to or not, about what it means to decenter. And one of the things I remember from the first time I went on a vacation with people who had far more money than I did. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, I do know what I was thinking. I got to upgrade. I got to fly in a class that I cannot afford on my own. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, sure. I could do this. I can plan. I can save. You know, I still have to. I'm bringing my budget with me. I'm going to enjoy this experience. But if you'd like to upgrade my life because you just can't see yourself not having the suite. But yeah, bitch, gonna, I mean, book the bungalow. I'll pay in on it. I've never stayed in a bungalow before. Let's do this. <laughs> but one of the things that I noticed there is kind of like this whole idea. She didn't want her experience her perspective to ever not be centered on the trip ever so she never questioned being at a resort that had um she's like oh we can like have an international flair to food i'm like this is not epcot bitch what are you talking about we're not gonna do (laughs) travel the worlds and get something authentic but i really truly think that a lot of people think that's what exotic or international travel is supposed to be they're never supposed to not be centered So if they have this expectation of something that, and it's kind of like, it's a, it's this, it's, it's a frightful commentary on what's happened at a societal level with respect to code switching. And I think it's probably why black folks don't get away with it because y'all not doing what we're doing. It's not a survival mechanism. It's a convenience mechanism. It's a pleasure seeking mechanism. Yeah. So yeah. And it, it also derives into this idea of what deal Maybe this is the deal that the island made. It's like, fine, you do this, but you keep all that shit over there. We don't want it infecting our island. We don't want you here. Right. But you bring money. And, you know, what are the deals? What did they do to maintain and keep people contained? So is this, you know, they're like, yeah, you're an invasive species. And we would like you to stay within your confines. And so when you start playing about all these different ideas and you got into that, I'm like, no, I like this movie. I don't think Brandon is going to be happy about why I like this movie, but I really like this movie. Because <laughs> there's one moment I'm sitting here and I was like, and I can't exactly say exactly what the moment is because that is a true spoiler, but I looked at this and I was like, see, this is what's wrong with white people. And this is, this is what's wrong with people who seek proximal power regardless of your color because not everybody who's in this ensemble is american not everybody who's in this ensemble is black even or white or even if they're white presenting so it is an eclectic group they all have gotten here and this and i don't want it to make it seem like i'm making some kind of overt you know us them black white but i can only speak from a black person's perspective so i that's what i try to do and sue me if you don't like it right you know press stop but <laughs> when you're watching when you're watching horror movies i feel like there's this unique layer that sometimes you look at this and i was like this is what your idea of being free is these are petty and the sheer giddiness of the black woman who's in this group right when you really yeah. 
man, she's so giddy. And I was like, it's her money. She like, th she's making these decisions. She's not a co-signer on someone else's ride. And, but she also is still very careful about what lines she invites them mm. to cross with her. Yeah. Like yeah. And I, and I found that dichotomy between her very giddy giggliness and the glee versus M Mia's unhinged commitment. And it was, it's a subtle juxtaposition. It's, and, and I think the best parts of this movie are the parts that are not loud. And he has an excellent use of silence. And I'm a big fan of people knowing when in a movie to just shut up and show me. Mm. And um, that is a bit of a problem during some of the movies in the horror midnight section, because I may not have been able to complete all the other sections, but I always complete the midnight section. Um, <laughs> and it's got some fascinating offers in there, but there's a couple of movies, one in particular that's been purchased and um, will be on Netflix that I think I had a better experience because I had a sound glitch for a big mm. chunk of the movie. So I could still watch it, but I couldn't hear anything. And when they reset me and I went back and watched it the second time, I was like, I think I liked it better when I couldn't hear this terrible ass soundscape. Hmm. That's I was, interesting. I was, I was, I was more engaged. It was more tense. It was more intense that like, um, there wasn't so much like, like fourth wall blur or obstruction from the sound. And I feel mm. like Brandon deliberately builds those things into his movies in ways to there's a coldness, but it's purposeful. Yeah. And so if you had to rate Infinity Pool out of a scale of 10, what would your score be? I would give it an eight. An eight. I, I came down on a seven and a half. It's because I'm greedy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and um, <laughs> as a woman watching this movie, I really wish we had gotten more of M. Foster. Uh, hmm. I was really enjoying what Cleopatra was doing in the role. I feel like it would have had a much higher impact on the ultimate outcome of, and the choices that he was making if some of her commentary and there's some of their relationship dynamic hadn't simply been at the B opening act and then quite frankly utilized for some of the best puns in the movie. This movie is very punny. Um, yeah, it's, 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 there's a lot of humor to it, which I feel like I think a lot of the reviews have kind of overlooked in the kind of pearl clutching about like the you know the, the grossness and the depravity which i don't really think that it's 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 all that it's pushed all that far uh at all no especially if you've watched a lot of horror movie but yeah i, I think that a lot of people have have overlooked like how how funny a lot of it is yeah no yeah. it's it's hilarity and i think some of the moments where they just say oh it's just he it's just you know they're just satisfying i'm like no that was just fucking funny i'm like that was satire and you missed it congratulations let me make you a watch list <laughs> and then you can come back and you will know this isn't going to be the most horrifying movie you've seen all year because i introduce you to some things <laughs> that are just chilling on shutter that are going to destroy your mind start with mad you know start with mad gods and come back and see me later you really want i'm like <laughs> I'm just saying. But also in some kinds of ways, like the movie I mentioned at the beginning, Speak No Evil, handled some of these themes um, about hospitality and inhospitality and consequences mm. and choice a little better. And I think it's because he he felt like he needed to be a little more hands-on 
and he he pushed his characters to dig. But I think that this more surreal journey of con- of uh, inconsequential living uh, is just as impactful, and it really anchors that way. And I think what people think the use and purpose of sex is for in movies is really super weird. And I'm sad to see that we don't need sex scenes in movies cropping back up because it it, it still speaks to a disconnect and a lack of understanding with sex and intimacy are and how they're supposed to play. And it's not all about being predatory. So I think when someone sees yeah. someone who goes from playing the ingenue to playing the coquette to playing the out and out, you know, seductress like Mia Goth does there, they're like, oh, it's predatory. And look how they're using her. Because they still don't want to talk about how women are, you know, who owns that and what's the choices and who gets to make them. And that's why I said, I really wish we had gotten a little bit more of the juxtaposition between the women in this journey yeah. because I was fascinated and I kept finding my eye drawn to see what they were doing in the scenes, especially when the dudes were just like, yeah. And I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> so I came down on a seven and a half, you know, purely, purely from that point of view at all. But uh, again, you, I have to know as soon as this movie was over, I immediately rolled it back to watch it again. So that it's not a knock on anything other than kind of like a, a narrative stylistic substance point I'm having. And I am holding it against male writers because go talk, talk to a woman, shit. And not the one who's your lead character for the unhingedness of all. Find another one. You can have more than one one lady friend if you need your wife or your girlfriend to make that friend for you so she feels like she knows what the purpose of that relationship is. You ain't bringing no problems in your home. Do it. But please, you know, he, he and I, I'm, I'm really fascinated about where he's going to go next because this is such yeah. a departure from where he went with Possessor. And it's an even further step beyond um, what he did with antiviral in some of his short films, but I still feel like he's really kind of talking about the destruction of soul in, for sure. in ways that people aren't. And I am a hundred percent here for it. And I'm never going to be mad at a bloody gory horror movie where um, at some point in time, the very ironic line of a black person saying, kill yourself actually might in fact happen. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying we got jokes. Y'all got jokes. We don't use them the same, but in horror, I feel like they kind of have a unifying thematic purpose. And, whether mm. Brandon understands it himself, he's kind of clued into a place that sits in the cultural zeitgeist that I'm a big, huge fan of. Um, I want to thank you for giving up an hour-ish out of your Saturday at the last minute to talk to me so I could get this off my chest. I hope everyone on the MCR network goes and follows you at, at Richard L. Newby and reads all of the things that you write because they're always fascinating. And quite frankly, sometimes the flame wars on your timeline are how I get my life when I'm doom scrolling. So thank you. <laughs> I, I appreciate I appreciate you having me on. This was a this was a great conversation. Really glad to be able to to, to talk, talk to you about this film uh, and just get to hear your insights. Um, you know, I, I really respect your your criticism and what you have to say, especially about the genre. And I think you know we need so much you know more of your your voice in the in this space. You know, this is. This conversation is unlike, you know, any other kind of criticism that's coming out about this film, which I feel like, you know, just speaks to the importance and need to have, you know, black women be able to prominently talk about genre films and horror films. So I really appreciate what you're doing. Shout out to Chris um, for never telling me no. Uh, he's the EIC of the MTR network and he gives me a, a woeful amount of leash god help him and again all of the critics on the mtr network are we have we have a very eclectic group but everybody is of color and i think that kind of is a little freeing for us because we don't give a shit 
but it, it's always nice to bring in new voices. I have followed in at your reading and your writing for a long time. And I think that, quite frankly, at, you know, as, as a black male, talking about film, talking about writing, talking about comics and games, but particularly talking about horror, you don't ever flinch away from saying, this is some bullshit, but there's value here. Or y'all say there's value here, but all there is is bullshit. And uh, that's what I always find fascinating. And I'm never gonna be mad at someone who will just flame up both Marvel and DC fans. Shits and giggles when you got time. So, <laughs> 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 we appreciate you. 